The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're exactly in the right place. Today's buzzword is Zoom. What in the world is Bonnie talking about? Let me throw a couple of words out at you. Marathons, Formula One, that's where the Zoom comes from, internet downloads, streaming video. I'm sure you'll agree that for time-sensitive activities like these, we intuitively know that faster is always better. Yes, it is. You want it faster. You want it now. What's the delay? A millisecond? Too long. Let's turn our attention to finance in the world of finance. How important are true real-time processes? Or, on the other side of that pendulum, is near real-time, nearly almost, sort of, kind of, fast enough? To help you find the answer for your business and your finance organization, we're going to explore which finance processes can benefit from real-time information. We're going to talk about what your finance team can do can do with real-time in-memory technology that was not possible in the recent past. And we're going to talk about the benefits of having that true real-time information at your fingertips. What can you really do with it that will make a difference? I have a panel of three experts, as always, here to help us solve this question and explore the topic. First up is a returning guest. She's Selena Rogers, Vice President and Editorial Director for CFO Publishing. And Selena sent me a very interesting quote from Nicholas Carr. Those of you not familiar Familiar, uh, Nicholas Carr wrote The Glass Cage, Automation and Us. I looked it up, but I'm just going to let you all know. Go Google Nicholas Carr, The Glass Cage, and you'll see some very interesting information. Here's the quote she picked. The practicality of technology may distinguish it from art, but both spring from a similar distinctly human yearning. We have technology and human in the same sentence. Selena Rogers, welcome back. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. Tell me about this great quote from Nicholas Carr. I'm, I'm new to Carr, but I'm very intrigued with what he's written. So tell me, how did you pick this quote for today's topic? Well, you know, this, quote, this, this little excerpt from Nick Carr is um, fairly uplifting, and it sort of alludes to the idea that technology realizes some kind of human yearning or ambition. Uh, but his overarching point in the glass cage is a much darker one. Um, one of the things that he mentions is uh, and explores is that as we learn to automate um, various activities, some of them highly complex, requiring these very refined judgments, we run the risk of eroding our own skills and our capacity for thought and decision-making. And I think that a big challenge facing finance professionals as so many reporting and analysis activities become increasingly automated, is how will finance find a role for itself where its contribution becomes more interesting, more valuable, more essential to good decision-making and competitive edge rather than the opposite. 
Thank you, Selena. Well, we've explored, well, this is, I have to say, this is season four of our series called Financial Excellence with Game Changers, and this is episode two, and I'm still thinking we're debuting the series because season four is so new. We've been talking a lot in past seasons, Selena, about expanding the role of finance, not just number crunchers, but advi- not only stewards of information, but advisors to the business. So does that word human yearning come in there somewhere? Do you see finance people say, I want to matter, I want to do more, I want to be the human brain that adds to the finance equation. Do you see that in Carr's oh, quote? Well, I, I do see that. I see that in Carr's quote, absolutely. Because his mm-hmm. point is, you know, that is one of those sort of human ambitions that we can pinpoint. And certainly it is a strong yearning in finance to become more of that partner to the business. Um, but now that we're seeing these this sort of evolution in finance technology, I think the big question is, how is that going to take shape in the real world? Okay, real world is our focus today, obviously. Thank you so much, Selena. Welcome back. I think it was at least a year since you've been on the show, and I'm delighted to have you back here. I know you have great insights from CFO Publishing. Let me welcome our second panelist. He's Tony Rogan from Accenture. He's a senior manager. And Tony has sent me a fascinating quote from the poem Auguries of Innocence by William Blake. I looked up the quote, and the, and the poem itself is three pages long on the web, and it's almost 850 words. I'm not sure there's any punctuation. It's a beautiful poem and fascinating, very lyrical. And here's the quote that Tony selected. Some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to endless night. Tony Rogan, you're making me shudder. Is the finance professional today born to endless night? Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fine. How are you doing, Bonnie? I'm well. Talk to me. Interesting okay. quote. How come it, how did it land on our show today? Well, actually, this is a quote that I've always liked. Um, It's from a film in the mid-90s, about 1996, directed by Jim Jarmusch called uh, Dead Man with Johnny Depp. And I don't know if anybody has seen it, probably no one on the show. But when I saw that film, that quote is repeated a lot throughout that film, and it's just kind of carried with me throughout the years, and that's why I chose it. Thank you very much. Let's expand a little bit. Uh, Sweet Delight, does that come into the equation today with with this uh, looking for real, real time in terms of the finance, having real, real time at their fingertips, as we said in my intro? Is that going to be the Sweet Delight and the pot at the end of the rainbow, Tony? I hope so, yeah. that's. I guess I would apply it for the purposes of this discussion to that. I mean, I guess I view it more as sort of a statement to people where some people are viewed as eternal optimists or predisposed that way. Some people are a bit predisposed to negative, you know, whatever I'm working, you just interact with all types. And that's where that quote comes into play. Thank you very much. And again, welcome to the show, Tony. Pleasure to meet you and have you on board. And let's bring on our third panelist. Well, she's no newcomer to financial excellence with Game Changers. She's part of the team that sponsors and owns this series. It's Birgit Starman's. Always happy to have Birgit on the show. And her current title is Senior Director for Product Marketing with SAP Marketing, Enterprise, Apps, and User Experience. That's a big business card, Birgit. And Birgit sent me a quote from one of our favorites on the show, Albert Einstein. Here's the quote. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. I think that's a byword for life. Welcome back, Birgit. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm okay. Talk to me. Interesting Einstein quote. How does that relate to our topic today? Well, I, I think when it comes to to running simply, um, it's not that it's about dumbing down, but it's really about making things easier for people to to really delve into the processes and get to the information that they need more quickly and more simply 
without having to learn and go through a lot of educational processes about, well, how do I get this report? How do I analyze this report? But really, looking at the way that we work these days in terms of um, mobile mobile tablets, mobile iPhones, etc., um, how do we get to information more simply? So how can we condense down all of this information into what's really re- relevant for all of us? So if you have to come up with all of these major charts and diagrams of yeah, what are these interrelationships, we should be able to make it all very simple for business executives to find out exactly what, where are the issues that we have, and then delve down, delve down to the details without having to go first into the details and then bring it back up and then bring it back down. But here's the summary. This is the very simple answer to where we are these days, and then dr- be able to dr- delve down to the details after that. Thank you, Birgit. What about our, our topic question today, real-time versus almost, nearly, kind of, sort of, real-time? Do you have any uh, any quick take on that before I go back to Selena and ask her what she's drinking today? <laughs> I, I, I do, actually, because, uh, you know, sometimes they say real t- near real-time is, is good enough because it's only 15 minutes. Um, my take on that is sometimes it's really more multiple days because if you're looking at some batch processes that need to run over to overnight, um, what happens is that you need to figure out, okay, well, here's the answer that I'm trying to get. You need to run a batch process overnight. You get the answer, and then you need to make an adjustment. And then you need to wait for another night for that batch process to run mm-hmm. to make sure that that adjustment hit correctly. So we're not just talking about minutes and hours. We're sometimes talking days. And we're so used to seeing things um, in our personal lives being there in real time, whether it's personal banking, whether it's personal shopping. Um, why can't we do that in business? We're spoiled. We are totally spoiled with our personal devices and our need it now generation across. I think all of the uh, all of the generational cohorts, all of the ages. We want it now. Why can't we have it at work? And that's a pressing question for people. I think in almost almost every organization and every practitioner area. Birgit, would you agree that we just want we want at work what we have in our personal lives? Period. Yes. I I, I would totally agree, and I think it's a, it's a whole new work style where I think it previously. Everything in finance was you know, let, let's do a report. Let's let's look at these. I don't know, just volumes of paper, <laughs> and, and then kind of look at what happens after that. But we're trying to be more proactive. But in terms of doing that, we need to have that information right away. And we're getting more used to having that in our personal lives. So I think we're getting more comfortable with having that in our business lives. Good. Sounds like it would be a vast improvement. I'm going to circle back. Thank you, Birgit. Circle back to Selena Rogers. And, Selena, I know you're prepared for this big question of the day since Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio is part of our flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'd love to know, Selena Rogers, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? Are you drinking anything really interesting right now, or what do you plan to drink after the show? That was one question, by the way. Well, I am in Boston. It is about midday here, and I am having my midday water break. Yes, what I am drinking is plain tap water. That is our new drink of choice here at CFO Publishing. 
tap water. Now, you're the second time in about a week to last week we had somebody uh, mentioning that New York City tap water is supposed to be clear and clean and sweet and wonderful. And I'm here on Long Island, Selena, just outside the New York City border on on the north shore of of Long Island. And uh, people have been telling me for years, you can't drink that tap water. That's terrible stuff. All the things that are in it, it's going to be terrible for you. And I happen to think our tap water tastes damn good. And I wonder if it's coming from the same reservoir. Maybe I should ask. So thank you for that. Tap water. Very cool. Tony Rogan, where are you? What time of day and what's in your cup? I'm in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. It is about 10.15 in the morning down here. Uh, right now I'm drinking a Starbucks Pike's Place coffee with cream, nutmeg, and cinnamon, which, because I don't use sugar, I have to flavor it with something. Cream, nutmeg, and cinnamon. Yep. Does that have a, have a slightly do. bitter taste or do, do, to your taste so buds? Is it to sweet? Me always does. Um, it, it does a bit, but yeah, it makes it a little bit more bitter. Um, unfortunately, down here, the only chain we really have to choose from is, is Starbucks, unless you're going to go to McDonald's. <laughs> but um, yeah, it makes it a bit bitter, but I don't want to use the sugar, so I add that for flavoring. Admire your discipline. I really do. And Birgit Starmans, where are you and what are you drinking? I am in Palo Alto, California, and uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I've gotten myself weaned a little bit off of coffee, and I have this row of teas that are waiting for me. <laughs> I've really, really? gotten into, into teas. Um, so I've got a green tea, uh, and then after that I've got this thing called passion tea, which has hibiscus flavors in it. So the green tea does have some caffeine. The hibiscus flowers does not have caffeine, but it just has a really great flavor. So I've just been entertaining myself with trying out different tea sorts. Very nice. And by the way, I might recommend green tea with pomegranate flavor. I have bought that in the past, and nice. the scent is just lovely. I'm a Birgit knows that I'm usually drinking water, but I'm nursing a, a bad cough today, trying to <coughs> not show you how bad it is. And I'm nursing a warm cup of mint tea, and that's about it. And I'm going to pour some honey down my throat when we're on the break, and the rest of it's going to be guzzling a lot of water. We are here today with a wonderful panel. We have Selena Rogers from CFL Publishing, Tony Rogan at Accenture, Birgit Starman's at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And if you can't have, have it already guessed, our topic is your finance processes in real time. The big question on the table is how fast is fast enough? What do you need now? What do you need almost now? What can you have now? And what's the benefit of having it now? We have a lot of questions to answer for our from our panel and for our audience around the world. So we're going to take a quick break, and I'm going to caution our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. And Selena Rogers has graciously consented to kick off our roundtable. Didn't you, Selena Rogers? Of course you did. So we'll be right back. And I'm going to say the byword here is Michael out. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP for HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. 
the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We're back with a wonderful panel. I have Selena Rogers from CFO Publishing about to kick off our roundtable, and she's joined by Tony Rogan at Accenture and Birgit Starman's at SAP. Selena, I'm looking at your notes, your copious notes you sent me before the show, and I have something very interesting I'd like to read, and then we're going to have you expand it, and your panel, co-panelists are going to join in. You say, the task that many finance functions face now is to build on past gains and improvements to make the next leap forward to, oh my goodness, free time, really? Free time, effort, and attention from transactional reporting activities and start focusing on high-value, analytical, value-creating activities. I'm going to have one more sentence here. You say, in other words, i.e., Finance needs to transition from focusing on the data to focusing on the decision. I think that's a great place to start our roundtable. Selena Rogers, why don't you kick it off for us? Well, thanks, Bonnie. I I think Mm -hmm. that when we talk about real-time processes in finance, um, what we are sort of presupposing is a kind of underlying data integrity, a sort of single version of the truth that makes that real-time processing possible. And from, from my point of view, I think the big transition that this would mean for a lot of finance teams is a kind of sunsetting of this focus on the data, the credibility of the data, um, checking reporting, manual interventions with that reporting, and instead the ability to take more or less, if, if not for granted, to understand that that data set is credible and is of high integrity and to focus instead on how to interact with that data, how to use that data more analytically, more wisely to come to a better decision. And, and I think that that's a huge sort of transition for a lot of finance teams and for a lot of companies as a whole as well. Selena, I was going to ask you, are today's finance professionals, the people, the rank and file, I don't know if that's a word we use in, in that industry, the people who've been around for a while, do they understand that this shift needs to happen? Are they trained for it? Do they have the mental mindset to look at the other side of the data and say, we need to focus on decision-making, not just numbers and letters and putting all these things together. We need to really come up with a, an outcome that the data will support. What do you think? I think that, you know, as, as with any sort of function in any group of people, the answer to that varies a lot depending on, on who you're talking to. I think that Pretty much everyone in finance would universally agree that getting beyond um, sort of being a custodian of a data set and looking at how to use data to make decisions more effectively is mm-hmm. something everyone wants to do. But at the same time, I think you're quite right to identify that, you know, for, for some finance teams, for some finance professionals, this is an enormous change from the way they're used to working when, you know, the sort of feedback loop that many finance and accounting professionals get into is this idea that if you execute the same process and you execute it well and precisely and consistently, that's what you're rewarded for. And I think that this sort of transition in finance technology will um, create a different kind of feedback loop, one that rewards the manipulation and analysis of data rather than the sort of um, processing of data. 
Thank you, Selena. I'm going to say one sentence, and I hope it's not too crude for this conversation, but they weren't hired to think. Is that a terrible thing to say? I don't think at all that that's a terrible thing to say. I think that, you know, if if you sort of scroll back to um, mid-century and you look at the typical finance department, you will see legions of individuals working very hard to process sort of core um, finance transactions. And, you know, we have made enormous leaps forward from there. Um, But I think that the challenge now is as our technology supporting these um, sort of finance processes evolves, Finance professionals are challenged to think more, think better, think more deeply, and to support their organizations to do the same. Thank you very much. Good insights. Tony Rogan, I know you have a lot to say from your background uh, working at Accenture and and other areas. What do you think about what Selena shared with us? So, again, I think this is one of these things that this comes up a lot, and it's come up more in the past. I think the... And I've always viewed this as sort of an evolution, and I think it's been interesting because these sorts of statements have been around for a long time. I mean, I've been doing um, ERP implementations for a while, JP, other things, and this is always like, okay, we want to make decision-making quicker. Now it seems like some things are coming out, some functionality is coming out, both on the reporting side within your core ERP that are going to really help speed things up greatly and should start to ease on this. So... I, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything Selena's saying. Okay, thank you very much, Birgit. Join me. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think it's 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 a very relevant topic. I, I see that as well as Selena, as well as Tony. Um, I, yeah, it, it it is really more about having information at the forefront. Um, the more information you have, without having to wait for it you don't need to wait to make decisions later because a lot of times when you wait to make decisions, then it's very difficult to to really take advantage of some of the opportunities that, that, that were there earlier. So the, the earlier you have the information, the better decision-making you have in the real moment. Thank you very much. Uh, Selena, any thoughts on what Tony added and what Birgit added? Um, I, I think that, you know, one of the most interesting things for us at CFO Publishing is seeing how the kind of new, new sort of wave of technology um, is interacting with finance processes. And I think that, you know, everything they're saying really echoes what we're seeing in the marketplace. So I can appreciate those observations a great deal. Thank you very much. I, I want to go into a little bit of your research findings before I turn to Tony's discussion statements. Um, I'm looking at uh, at the bottom of your notes. You say the sponsored research affiliate of CFO Magazine, CFO Research, conducted a, a survey underwritten by SAP. And can you t- tell us a little bit about the findings, the 87% and the 12%? Yes. So in that research, in the context of that, those findings, we found that 87% of senior finance executives, and these are um, finance executives from around the world say that managers at their companies will need to analyze uh, financial and performance data a lot more quickly if they're going to meet their performance targets. Um, meanwhile, um, however, only 12% of senior finance executives say that their finance staff can respond to requests for financial reports and analysis immediately or in real time. Now, many, many, many more say that one-day response is standard, and that's certainly a tremendous improvement over what we've seen in the past, um, although, as Birgit points out, um, performance in that regard is highly variable. There are plenty of reports that take multiple days to process. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you're talking about 
producing reports um, in the space of a few minutes, I would argue that that starts to get outside of the speed of thought that people are beginning to expect. They see that in their personal lives when they work with Google, for example, when they, when they mm-hmm. run a search in Google, and they're looking to bring that kind of speed of thought, real-time analysis into their professional lives as well. Thank you very much. Tony, any comments on the statistics that Selena shared with us? Thoughts about the 87% and 12%? Um, not really. I mean, I guess this makes sense. I haven't really read the statistics before until the, the topics were sent out. Um, this is basically what we're seeing as well. It's, you know, we're, we're hearing these same comments across the board. And I think the statistics are just generally reflective of kind of the dialogue that I'm hearing when going from client to client. And tell me a little bit about how you do that. I know you, you're, uh, you have assignments at different clients at different industries. Just a little bit about uh, as you work your way around, are you seeing seeing this across the board or in certain industries when you visit finance departments? What are you seeing, Tony? So lately I've been focused a lot on the utilities industry as well as helping out with some other clients. Um, yeah, the big trend right now is obviously towards real time and how quick can I get data. And utilities is a bit of an interesting industry because they still do a lot of allocations. I mentioned that as one of the topics we can discuss later, but mm-hmm. um, just their closed processes tend to be a bit lengthy. And a lot of the discussion now, when you're talking about reporting and you're talking about strategy with reporting is how to get that data quicker. It's just, you know, that's becoming more and more because they're seeing other companies get this data quicker and they want to know how they can do it as well. So does that put it on the plane with a competitive advantage? Hey, uh, we're competing with so-and-so, and, and it looks like they're able to close faster or get their get their analysis faster, and we're lagging, and duh? What do you think? And, yeah, that's a really good question because, like I said, their close cycles tend to be a bit shorter. So if you look at regular you know, for-profit organizations, manufacturing, retail, et cetera, their close processes are leaner right now. Utilities tends to be a little bit slower with their close in that they're waiting for multiple things to post. They're running a lot of allocations. There's some federal reporting requirements that we see. So they're starting to get aligned with the other industries and saying, hey, wait a minute, why are we taking so long to close and why is it mm-hmm. taking so long to get the reporting that we need? Very interesting. And that's a very different question from what I posed in the beginning with Birgit in the opening of the show about we have so much speed in our personal life. When we want something, we can find it. We expect it in split-second timing, faster than real time, if you will. And that's a different question. Now we're talking about business-based speed. Uh, Birgit, any comments on what Selena shared, the statistics, and, and Tony's great insights? Yes, definitely. Um, I, I think one of the things um, when it comes to Selena's insights um, we found, especially in that past survey that she was mentioning, is that finance executives are now tying these statistics about getting faster. They're tying that to, to, to business benefits because executives are saying that they now need this information faster in order to impact the bottom line, in order to impact profitability. And I think that was a huge takeaway that I took away from that particular piece of research is that it's not just about being faster. It's about um, they're tying it to the bottom line. So I think that that's a very, very huge thing. And and the other point about um, what Tony was mentioning is like, yes, things are fast. There are some industries where things take a long time. The problem is, uh, I think that especially the financial close is a big process or or a big indicator 
of the efficiency of the finance organization. So if that particular process is slow and, and lagging, then what does that say about the other processes that we have? And if it takes you um, a, a week or two after the period ends in order to, to close the books, that means it takes you a week or two to take that information back up mm-hmm. to management and say, well, okay, what are we going to, what, what decisions are we going to be making based on this information? And if that information is already two weeks old, then that's old information. And how good are the decisions going to be based on that? Mm-hmm. And I can see the flip side of that question is not what decisions can we make, but what opportunities did we miss? Am I right, exactly. Birgit? Exactly. Yep, that's what exactly. they're talking about. I want to go back to Tony. Tony, I'm looking at your notes, but I have a question for you. Since you're out in the field talking to finance professionals in different industries, what are you observing in terms of who are today's finance professionals? Who's sitting at that desk? Do they still have a green eye shade and a green banker's lamp in the background? Uh, hopefully not too many spreadsheets and, and slide rules. Forgive me for that. I'm just being a little facetious here. But who are they? Are they are they baby boomers? Are they are there any newcomers in the millennial Gen Y Gen X? Who is populating the finance departments today? Who have to deal with this new urge, as you say, your Simple Finance 2.0 and the impact of solutioning finance in the new world? Are the people in finance today ready for the new world? So who are they, Tony? Share some. Well, I guess I could say the the, the green shade comment is rather funny because I've worked with quite a few of them for, throughout my career. But I I think that you know there's value in some of those people. So the the newer people that you're seeing in these positions, I, they're not baby boomers; they're a generation, you know, probably less than a generation younger than that. You know, thinking a bit differently, but there's still value in having those green shade people around. I mean, that said, the focus is on more of less. Because the data is so more widely available, the focus seems to me that it's a bit more on, okay, how much, what can I get? You know, what do I really need to report on rather than, okay, we're going to dump this in the spreadsheet and we're going to do all these, you know, analysis. The focus is more on quality, and that's what I'm seeing. So, um, you know, it's just kind of, of an evolution with what used to be in charge where you had your traditional people that were in that role, like you said, the green shade accountants that are, mm-hmm. you know, just want to re- want to grab data from wherever. I mean, it's, there's a bit more of a quality focus that I'm seeing now with some of these, and it's, again, the, the, the need for speed, as, you're, as we're calling it. You know, how fast can I get this stuff? Why is it taking so long, et cetera? And that's a good thing, I think, that push for why is it taking it so long. Hey. Somebody has to drive the process. Who do I hear? Is that beer good? <laughs> I'm just laughing. It's, a, it's, it's very... Analogous to what I what, what I found in my consulting world, um, I think I think a lot of people are just very used to having information at, at the back end, and now uh, I, I would find finance organizations are looking more to be proactive, and I think that's a really great shift in in terms of where we're going. Instead of just saying, "Well, this is what we did last month, and it's going to take us a couple of weeks to figure it out," um, to really be more proactive, and that's why we need the real time information, right? Um, if if a big customer order just came in or if a big customer cancellation just came in, I mean, that, that could be really relevant to our profitability, to our demand generation, to our production schedules. So I think having that information at your fingertips is very relevant. Thank you very much, Birgit. And uh, Tony, I have a question for you. I don't usually ask questions, but there's some interesting concepts in here. Uh, you say, overall, it's becoming easy to analyze and manipulate large amounts of data. And with the concept of the universal ledger, the distinction between FI and CO is evaporating. Share with me, since I'm not an insider in your industry, FI and CO. And what is the universal ledger, Tony? 
So what's happening is, is this is a concept SAP is coming out with. It's called the Universal Ledger, but basically SAP was always divided into modules with finance, FI, CO, controlling. Those two worlds were integrated but very separate. And there was also a concept of transactional level detail versus standard reporting level of detail. That distinction is starting to evaporate. So it changes how some of the solutioning is working where, okay, I, as long as I've got the data in there, I'm basically centralized in one area. That's what they're calling this universal ledger piece. Mm -hmm. I'm not really having separate words where people are going to grab their data from, which makes things a lot simpler from the end user side, especially with reporting, where, okay, I'm in one area. This is where I've got everything. I'm, I'm not jumping into one sub-module versus another sub-module. And that, you know, it's new, it's coming out, but that's the buzz that that's starting to generate. Thank you very much. Birgit or Selena, any comments on what Tony shared before I move on? Yeah, I think I've had a great comment on that one because, I mean, it it used to be that exactly as Tony said, you used to have to run a report in in finance and then you run another one, especially in controlling. You have a cost center report, you have a profit center report, you have a profitability report. And so you're running all these different reports and with the universal journal, you're basically you have everything in one place, so you don't have to run multiple reports to get there. So I think that's that's definitely a major simplification in terms of getting to the data and not having to reconcile as much between different reports that you, that you would have run in the past. Thank you very much. Selena, anything you want to add to this one? I just, I think that, you know, just building off this whole discussion we've been having, to reduce the level of reconciliation at any stage in the financial, in, in this sort of um, landscape of financial processes is hugely meaningful to finance teams and organizations because it is very hard to overestimate the amount of time, the amount of attention and headspace that these kinds of manual interventions and reconciliations really take up. Um, what finance teams would be capable of if they were free of that is something that we think about a lot at CFO Magazine, I think. Thank you very much. Birgit, I'm looking at your notes. I found something interesting here. I, I think we need to make a really good point, and I believe it's part of the underlying opening. It underlies the opening. And when I asked about when do you really need real-time, when is near real-time enough, you say real-time processes are not just about speed for the sake of speed. Real-time is important when looking at what finance can do with the time saved, and we're talking about hours and days, not just minutes, such as using instant insight to advise the business. So can you give us a good definition of what is instant insight? Who knows enough to use it? And sake of speed, are there are there speed demons on the highway in the finance department, Birgit, who just say, I want it faster because we can, and so-and-so down the block, our competitor, I know theirs takes 42 minutes and ours takes 49. Faster, 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 IT department, I want it now. So what, what's the culture? Talk about the culture. I, I, I think I, I think some of the some of that culture is um, if you're only going to save two or three minutes, does anybody really care? Right. So um, you're taking away my coffee break. I am not having chance chance to talk to my colleagues at the coffee cooler or the mm-hmm. water cooler. Um, I, I, I think when it comes to that that instant insight, what happens a lot, especially with with scenarios such as profitability analysis, um, there are a lot in many cases many very long-running processes that tend to run overnight, and I'm doing some allocations to make sure that, for example, my product costs are fully loaded. So I do my, my, my allocations, and then I come back the next day, and I find out that there's an error. Well, great. So I fix it, but then I have to wait another whole day for that process to run overnight. 
So in this case, we, we're not just saving a couple of minutes and a couple of hours. We're saving days because when you see that there's been an error, you need to wait for the next overnight batch run in order to make sure that everything came out correctly. So that's that's one of those blockers in, in that's preventing instant insight. Um, the other piece of that is being able to personalize what you really need to see. So, for example, being able to say, well, I need to see just this country or just this tax jurisdiction or I need to just see this cost center or this profit center and be and allowing the business users to configure that without having to go to IT because otherwise IT takes this one report and they construct many different variants and then they're all of a sudden instead of maintaining one report they're maintaining 20 reports um, if you can allow those individual business users to basically say I need this field, I don't need that field, and being able to allow them to do that on their own without using IT, that takes away the lag time, first of all, Mm -hmm. of them getting the information, but then later on of having IT maintain that information because that business user can decide on the fly, well, I used to need that field, now I don't. I used used to need to know what is happening in... Spain. Now I don't because uh, I've been reallocated and I'm now managing a different part of the country. So instead of having to go to IT, they can do that on their own. It, it sounds like a double-edged sword, Birgit. If somebody, somebody has to know enough how to get rid of those fields and put them somewhere where they can find them if they need them again so that we they can need, use we that. Need to make that as easy as possible. It, it, yes. it needs to be as simple as here's a country, pick it. Right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yes. No. Do you need to see Spain? Do you not need to see Spain? Do you need to see the U.S.? Do you not need to see it? It needs to be very easy, and it needs to be not very code centric. So you don't. You shouldn't need IT to say if field value equals USA, but it needs to be like okay, as simple as clicking on a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you can have this interactive, here's a map. Okay, I'm going to click on the fields or the states or the countries or the regions that I need. It should be as easy as that. Well, I hope it is one of these days. Tony Rogan, any thoughts on this? Or Selena Rogers, who wants to come in on what Birgit shared? Uh, this is Tony. So, yeah, I thought mm-hmm. the, the really interesting part of this is, is the discussion about, you know, the data-intensive processes and how these are starting to speed up with what we're seeing now, you know, the, the profitability analysis allocations, just, you know, that getting in, getting out of that habit of doing a nightly run um, and then waiting until the morning senior errors, that's just starting to change, which is good, which is shortening up close cycles. Um, the simplicity, I think, you know, the, that requirement, that's starting, that's been something we've been, or I've been seeing for a while, just making more out, you know, taking reporting a bit out of IT, putting it more to like a super user concept within within finance, where people know how the reporting tools work and what attributes are available, can guide others on how to grab the report that they need without having to always go back to IT. That we've been seeing for a little bit. I think that'll just become more and more prevalent as well. Thank you, Tony. Selena Rogers, thoughts? Yes, well, I mean, I think that this idea of intuitive interaction with technology, certainly, as Tony points out, we're seeing movement in that direction. Um, and Birgit sort of points to an endpoint where, where I think many finance teams would be eager to get. I would say at the same time that 
um, for the finance function to really enable, as I think, Birgit, you put it, instant insight to advise the business, this involves finance developing, you know, even greater business acumen. Um, it involves finance being able to interact and develop relationships with the business so that they can understand the consequences of events in finance for the business and actually help decision makers out there take real action. Um, so I think that that kind of, that, that larger sort of context for finance's abilities and skills, it's really going to start to expand as these reporting and analysis capabilities become stronger. Thank you very much. Birgit, I'm still looking at your notes, and I have something here I'm not sure we talked about yet. In terms of the ben- benefits, what can you do with real time? Uh, let me just read this, and you can expand it and give us some examples. Hopefully, in the panel, will come with theirs. You say, with real time information, their fingertips, finance organizations can do things today that were not possible before. This we know. Here's the example I love. When evaluating new products, a company can choose between M&A or in-house builds of new products. So who in finance is going to be the one to deliver the good news? You need M&A or guess what, guys? We can just do it here. We're ready to go. We have production lined up. We have funding lined up. We have marketing waiting in the wings. And an in-house build is just going to be super efficient and cost effective. Who gets to make those decisions, Birgit? I think I think finance, while not making the decisions necessarily, I, I think they are a driver these days to tell the mm-hmm. rest of the business this is the financial implication of making this decision. So, yeah, as you mentioned with my comments, um, do we buy another company? If we do buy another mm-hmm. company, which company is it going to be? If we develop a new product, um, is it going to cannibalize another product that we currently have? How is it going to affect us in terms of the competition? And I would say that in a, in a previous world, what would happen is that there might be 20, 20, 30, 40 different scenarios out there with different combinations of M&A and new product introductions and yeah, slight variances into new product introductions. And then using Excel which is typically what, what finance did in the past, how do you really determine uh, of these, let's say, 40 different options, which one you're going to use? And finance probably didn't have the capacity just with the sheer volumes of information to say, all right, we're going to evaluate all of these 40 different options. So they would do a pre-selection and cut it down to 10 and maybe even 5. So they would even pre-select and who knows what those pre-selections were based on. The thing is, with, with real-time information, you can actually say, well, these are the dimensions that we're interested in, and then actually evaluate all of those 40 different scenarios and start tweaking them, as opposed to saying, well, we don't have time to evaluate all 40 options. Um, we're just going to evaluate 10, and we're just randomly going to cut that down to five, and then we're going to start tweaking those five. You might have had, as you said earlier, Bonnie, a very missed opportunity and something that you could have uh, really leveraged in terms of growing your business because you didn't have the time to evaluate it. And so that's the whole time. It's, it's not just making it faster for the sake of being faster, mm-hmm. but being able to analyze other business scenarios. Because you're faster, you're done with the transactional piece, which is never going to go away for finance. But all of a sudden, you have this extra capacity to analyze other things that you could not analyze before. 
Thank you, Birgit. Good insights. And I'm thinking that in, in terms of the way a business flows, you never know when somebody's going to dial you up or send you a text or an email inside your company and say, hey, we're evaluating a new product. What have you, ha- what have you got? What kind of reports? What kind of insights? So it could come at any moment. That would be the speed of real time is do you have it when you're called upon to provide it? Am I right on that, Birgit? Definitely. Definitely, and and, and that's that, that's actually a part that I hadn't discussed. Is is mm-hmm. here's the external information that's coming in, and how are your products being compared to what the competition has? I mean, just with real time insight, it's not just your own internal information. You can incorporate external information just the same, and then make evaluations based on that. Thank you very much, Selena Rogers at CFO Publishing Thoughts. We've got a lot of information on the table here from Birgit. What do you think? Well, I think that, you know, when, when Birgit describes this model, one of the things that really catches my attention is that for finance teams, um, in this kind of paradigm, they're going to spend a lot less time and attention on running the model, as Birgit points out, less time and attention on understanding what the model should be and which, you know, versions of this model can we, do we have time to run and so forth. And really they're going to end up spending a lot more time, I think, on you know, what are the consequences of this model? What does this model mean? Helping the business understand and be able to sort of tell the story of the model effectively to them and help business decision makers understand what this model will mean for them. Um, so much less time focused on sort of crunching the data and, as Birgit points out, making, you know, difficult decisions about um, what we're going to have time in this team here to actually process or not, and a lot more attention paid to, you know, understanding the model, understanding the risks, understanding the assumptions that underlie the model, and helping the business understand the story and the insight that they're supposed to derive from this analysis. Interesting. Your use of the word story to me would be the light bulb going off for, I think Tony and I were talking about who is, who are populating, who is populating the, the ranks of the finance department. Who would ever have thought somebody would ask them to do some storytelling based on business insights? And now it's a brave new world. Tony Rogan, that's a good intro for you. What do you think? Um, Aldous Huxley comments aside, um, the part that I think is where I'm really seeing this now, and Gergi mentioned it briefly, was with the planning and budgeting cycles. You know, and sometimes at different companies, those cycles are lengthy. What I think is really interesting with this is you're starting to see those cycles speed up, and a lot more meaningful analysis just coming out of those cycles. You know, various what ifs types of scenarios. Also, what I'm, lately the clients that I've been at are a lot more project focused. So there's they have some pretty big projects. These are things like outages of a nuclear facility or something, and um, they require a lot of advanced planning. They can do now multiple, or they're looking at wanting to do with what we're implementing at certain places is, you know, different what if analysis. What if we start on this day? What if we have more people to it? That kind of stuff is getting much more easier with the information we're now being able to get. Thank you very much. Birgit, since this was your your topic, uh, any comments you want to wrap up? We have 10 minutes before the end of the show, and I'm not quite ready for predictions, so we can chat a little more. Birgit, you want to comment, and anything else you think we need to cover before we go into predictions? No, I, I, I think that's, that what, what Tony is talking about is, is very relevant. It's, it's really a, what are we going to do with this today. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of seeing that... Uh, finance is becoming more comfortable and being more future-oriented. Uh, I, I, I would see that in the past there was this annual planning cycle, and then all of a sudden we're getting into 
okay, all of a sudden we've got, okay, a monthly rolling forecast, and now we're getting into, well, something just happened. I don't want to have to wait until next month in order to make that happen. So I think we're getting really more into that real-time planning cycle as well um, in terms of being forward-looking and actually looking at finance, not just with finance, but but integrating it into into a lot of operational activities. And I think that that's really key. Instead of finance being a back-end predictor, and as we've talked about this whole series, um, finance wants to be more strategic and being more proactive and and looking at different planning modules, but they also need to see what the integration topics are, for example, with what's going on with, uh, for example, customer planning. What kind of orders are we expecting to get? What's What's my demand plan look like? What does my production plan look like? So really looking at some of those integrated topics and how they flow into finance because everything that happens in an organization... Um, whether it's sales, marketing, logistics, production, whatever, procurement, um, everything has an impact on finance. And really pulling all of those things together and being able to do that not just once a year in a planning cycle, not even just once a month in an updated planning cycle, but being able to do that uh, on a rolling forecast level I think is also very strategic for companies because knowing exactly where you are and being able to take that actual information and then to say, okay, I'm going to immediately roll that into my future forecast, being able to adjust my planning. Um, I think that's, that's, that's very key. Um, that's one of those strategic areas where being able to have that foresight is going to give a company competitive advantage. Thank you, Birgit. Good insights. Uh, Selena, I'm just about ready to go into our crystal ball predictions round. But before I do, I want to save about, oh, 90 seconds for each of you prediction, for predictions. I know you're all ready to go. Selena, what's next on the plate for CFO Publishing? What are you looking at in terms of our topic today? Any studies planned? Oh, we certainly have studies planned. In fact, we have a study planned on integrated financial planning, which Birgit was just um, was just talking about. Um, we also have studies planned on um, how a lot of this kind of technology and innovation and in technology will apply to Treasury. Um, so we have quite a few new studies planned indeed. Good. Sounds like interesting and keeping you busy. So now let's <laughs> officially go into with six minutes left. I'm right on time. Selena Rogers, CFO Publishing. Your finance processes in real time, how fast is fast enough? That's our conversation today. If you fast forward to the year 2020 or whatever year you can see clearly in the CFO Publishing crystal ball, Selena, what would be different? Can you predict how this conversation would change in terms of the people in the industry, uh, the practices in terms of rolling forecasts, in terms of the speed of getting the data, their efficiency and skill in analyzing it and coming up with impacts for decisions their company needs to make? Any or all of the above, I'm going to give you 90 seconds. Selena Rogers' predictions, go. Well, I'm not sure about 2020, but maybe in maybe let's say in 2050, uh, maybe we look forward to to a sort of future where a lot of the finance processes that um, so many finance teams are focusing on have become more or less redundant. 
um, because of the kind of innovation in, in finance technology that we've been talking about. Um, and in that case, I imagine a finance function that's integrated very deeply into business decision-making, spends most of its time on that, and with you know that sort of finance point of view, the financial analysis and thinking about business in the language of finance after all, um, that sort of forming the foundation of the analytical kind of rigor and um, thoughtful processes that companies are going to apply to their decision-making. Um, we can we can maybe look forward to that future. I'm not sure if 2020 is the time, but maybe a little later than that. Wow, 2050. That's a leap of faith. That's 35 <laughs> years away, but we'll let you get away with it. Selena, quickly, will you see more millennials joining the forces of finance professionals in the next couple of years? Thoughts? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think finance and accounting are hugely attractive professions right now, but I think that that influx of millennials is going to create a very different set of expectations for enterprise technology in general, certainly for financial applications. And that's another show, Birgit. That's another topic we can do later in the season. Tony Rogan at Accenture, I'm going to give you 90 seconds for your predictions. Talk to me. So what I'm starting to see in a way I think is, you know, again, your a little bit of a question, 2020 is this is becoming less and less to me about technology, technology in the sense that technology is delivering the solution, but it's it's going to be a lot less on the artfulness, if you will, to get the data that you need to get. And you're starting to see that now, I would think in about five, six years, what have you, that's what's, you know, the, the effort is going to start to shift of, okay, let's talk about our reporting. What are we getting? Let's strategize that a bit more. Whereas now it's just, it's mostly focused on what data do I have available? And then your other peripheral processes start to shift where people are looking at how to improve those processes due to the, the availability or the rapid availability of this data. So that's what I'm starting to see now. I would imagine in about five, six years, that's what's really going to take hold. Thank you very much. And do you see millennials coming in in force and taking over the profession, or do you see them coming in in little dribs and drabs out of MBA schools? So, yeah, to me that's always interesting because I, I don't know, like when I look at it, if finance or accounting still have that, you know, they're, they're viewed as like stable jobs in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter is just finishing college. So there, there are people that are finance majors. I'm just curious as to see, I, I, I don't really have numbers in front of me, but it seems like just got to feel that less people are interested than were before. But again, with the shift to becoming more analysis focused, Rather than, you know, trying to worry about the data mm-hmm. there, maybe it starts to attract more of them in that profession. Thank you. I was hoping you'd say that. And we need more girls in math and sciences. But that's another topic. <laughs> Birgit, Starm- Birgit Starmans. That's, we cover that on Game Changing Women I, I Radio. And, and yeah, it, it's actually frightening to me that 2020 is only five years away. <laughs> tell me, tell it, me it, about it. I have to stop asking. It's a distant future, but it's, it's I know. actually less than five years away. I know. Um, I, I do see, um, and, and maybe because I'm based in Silicon Valley, I, I do see a lot of, um, like you said, millennial workforce. Uh, I mm-hmm. do see um, a lot of automated things happening where, you know, I'm seeing Google driving self-driving cars around on the streets every day. So um, I, I am seeing that, that we might be tagging more information and getting more information about our customers and our vendors and being able to automatically put that into our systems and being able to leverage that to really getting that, I know it's a cliche term, 360 view, whether it's a customer, a vendor, or an employee, um, but being able to get that information automatically without having to punch it in and being able to use 
more external data and comparing our organization's performance against somebody else. So if, if I'm company XYZ and company ABC is doing something else, um, a lot of that information is available externally and being able to compare yourself to see where you can do better. And that's really where it's something with the, with the whole future of Internet and the future of some of those automated processes and, and you know, Internet-based processes and network-based processes, um, being able to leverage that information. Thank you, Birger. Right on time. I have, okay, what have I got? I got less than a minute here to close the show, but we are good. I have some predictions of my own. I'm going to predict tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., cough or no cough, I'll be back on the air with Digital World with Game Changers. I'm going to predict at noon tomorrow I'll be back again with Business Innovation with Game Changers. I can tell you with certainty I'll be back on Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern with Coffee Break with Game Changers. But here's the big news. We are doing a sneak preview of our newest series, Meet the Visionary Game Game Changers on Coffee Break, and then we're repeating the show on Thursday morning in its regular slot. So that's a double header for our brand new series, Meet the Visionary Game Changers. And that brings us up to, I think, 15 series total. But what can I tell you? Selena Rogers, CFO Publishing, delightful to have you on. Thanks for your great insights. Tony Rogan at Accenture, thank you for sharing all of your great information. And Birgit Starman's at SAP, thanks for putting together this wonderful panel and for bringing me such great information, Birgit, and a great intro for the show. Thanks also to Chris Grundy at SAP. And to Michael and the Business Channel team. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week. 